Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Each week, a Chamber staff member will sit down with a guest to discuss what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, develop our workforce, and tell the inspiring story of Greensboro to the world. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union. As one of the largest credit unions in North Carolina, Truliant is proud of its work supporting the businesses and the people that make our communities thrive. Chartered in 1952, today Truliant serves more than 250,000 members, helping them and our community build strong financial foundations. There are five locations in Guilford County to serve you. Visit truliant.org for more information. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we at the Chamber are working with community partners to mitigate its effects on businesses, both large and small. Each weekday at 3 p.m., we are hosting a daily action call with various experts who can point you to resources and answer questions. In lieu of our regular podcast episodes, we will be sharing highlights from these calls with you each week during this unprecedented time. To hear these discussions in full or to join future calls, visit greensboro.org backslash COVID-19. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get started. I have 3.02, and I don't want to keep our guest today waiting too much longer, so I will go ahead and get us started. I'm Brent Christensen with the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Again, uh, welcome to our daily action calls. It is Friday. We've made it through another week, another week that seems like a month, uh, but we have made it, and uh, um, today is the day when we have started to see applications being taken for the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, our guests will talk a little bit about that. I can tell you that uh, I, those of y'all who were listening in yesterday who, uh, who heard Derek Ellington join us, Derek sent me a text just a little bit ago that said, you know, since 8 a.m. Where when their applications went live, they have processed uh, 60,000 applications worth $6 billion. So um, the application process has begun and is going strong. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that we got uh, everyone totally understanding what is going on with the CARES Act. Uh, Yesterday, we talked very specifically uh, a lot about the the PPP, the Paycheck Protection uh, Program. And so Uh, We wanted to back up just a little bit right now um, and talk about just in general the CARES Act, the major provisions, the implementation, uh, and as you can see on your screen, the resources that are available. So thank you for joining us. You can follow us on social media, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at GSO Chamber for the latest information. We'll also be sending out these daily emails to our members and recording the call with any relevant links, uh, we'll include that in the email. And if you're not a member and you're on this call, all links to the resources and the recordings will be on our website at greensboro.org backslash COVID-19. Two more reminders before we get started. Please fill out your census forms while you're home. The accurate count on that means extra funding for our community. Obviously, we're going to need that when we get to the other side of this, but uh, make sure that you're filling that out. very, very important in terms of representation and a number of other federal programs uh, that are that utilize that census data uh, to dole out, uh, the, whether it be a, uh, a voting uh, uh, situation, whether it be a resource situation, that sort of thing. So we want to make sure that you're filling that out as well. And then, of course, as always, give blood. We're hearing from our hospitals that uh, there is an urgent need for blood. Um, that's always the case, even more so in a, in a situation like this. So. Please, please go out and do that when you get a chance. Uh, it is my uh, honor and pleasure to be joined today uh, by Brent Manning of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He is the manager for the Southeast Region for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He supports the congressional and public affairs for eight south- southeastern states, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. The mission of that southeastern regional office is to develop and maintain the region's legislative, political, and grassroots resources to achieve the U.S. Chamber's public policy goals. Before joining the U.S. Chamber, he was the manager of government affairs for the Jacksonville Chamber in Jacksonville, Florida. And he's also a uh, University of North Georgia uh, alumnus, and he lives in Atlanta currently. The U.S. Chamber's been involved uh, since day one on the COVID-19 response at the federal level, the resources that are being provided uh, were very instrumental in the CARES Act. And so it's my 
pleasure to welcome uh, Brents. Excuse me, Brents. We've got a Brent and we've got a Brents. So we'll try not to keep every, I'm not trying not to confuse everything, but uh, Brents, I've just unmuted you. Welcome to the call. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much, Brent. And thank you all to um, to all your members uh, that are here. I know this is an uneasy time for business owners and uh, uncertainty and uh, a high level of anxiety. So I appreciate you being here. And hopefully, uh, I know you guys know a little bit about the CARES Act, but hopefully I can uh, shed some more light on it um, as well. So uh, just to give you a... Um, an idea of the scale of this. This was a, or is a $2 billion package. Uh, I'm sorry, trillion, 2 trillion, just under 10% of our regular GDP in this country. Um, this package uh, was designed to be robust because the idea is that uh, this is the bridge that helps us avoid a prolonged recession and downturn and allows that once uh, regular commerce can begin resuming, uh, we can get back to normal, uh, a sense of normalcy. Um, next slide, please. Uh, so in addition to the $2 trillion face value of uh, the deal, uh, because some of the funds can be used by the Federal Reserve, it can be leveraged to provide an additional $4 trillion in support for the economy. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the individual provisions. Perhaps most important, uh, the automatic uh, payments that the federal government is making to individual taxpayers. They will uh, begin the process of uh, direct depositing these funds to taxpayers across the country. The amount is $1,200 for, uh, per individual, $2,400 for joint returns, plus $500 per child. And it begins to phase out for incomes above $75,000 for individuals and $150,000 in joint income. Uh, we already uh, we already know, as you saw last week, over three million initial unemployment claims, uh, and as much as we can do to support business, we're going to see a rise in unemployment uh, regardless. And uh, so this this bill includes some fairly robust expansions of unemployment benefits. Uh, most importantly, uh, most restrictions on eligibility for unemployment. Um, Remember, if you go through unemployment, applying for uh, assistance, there are all these qualifications about how long uh, you were employed, how long you were, uh, you've been unemployed, how long you have to wait, et cetera. Uh, those eligibility requirements have been amended as it's related to the coronavirus. Uh, in addition, the federal government is providing another $600 on top of the regular state benefits through July the 31st. Uh, states simply have to agree to accept this additional benefit for their residents. And I'd be shocked if a single state um, declined. Uh, I know there are a lot of questions about uh, whether or not individuals will remain on unemployment, uh, particularly given this enhanced benefit. Uh, so it's important to remember that eligibility ends when an individual can return to work. Uh, so if an employer is reopening and calling employees back, that employee is available to work but chooses not to, their individual eligibility ends. Uh, how do you access this? So um, this still goes through your state unemployment office, not the federal government. So nothing has changed on that front. It's still through the state. Okay, let's move on um, to the uh, major provisions for uh, um, em uh, employers. So let's talk about uh, this. We've, we've really broken them down into three groups, the provisions that are available for all employers, the provisions available for larger employee, employers, and then small business, uh, self-employed, independent contractors, and nonprofits, uh, which is where we'll spend the bulk of our time today. Uh, we'll start with the uh, provisions that are available for all employees, uh, which will be on the next slide, please. Uh, the first is the uh, payroll tax uh, provision for employers uh, who pay payroll taxes. So think about this. Everyone who's writing a check to their employees, after you write that check, you normally write another check to the federal government covering the payroll taxes for both the employee and the employer side. 
uh, under this bill, an employer may choose to delay their payment of their payment. Now, somebody doing a presentation. Um, yeah. Uh, so under this bill, an employer may choose to delay their payment of their portion of the payroll taxes, which is 6.2% of social Muted security. again. Uh, they can- delay, I'm unmuted. They can delay paying that between now and January 1st, 2021. If they choose to delay that, they have to pay 50% of the accumulated amounts uh, that they would have owed by um, December 31st, 2021, and the other 50% by December 31st, 2022. Uh, there is an important caveat here. This is generally available to all employers, except if you have, if you have a loan forgiven under the Paycheck Protection Program, um, which is the small business loan program that uh, I'm gonna to touch on here. Other taxes that are important, net operating losses or NOLs. If you have a business that has a, an operating loss and you want to be able to use that against prior taxes paid, now operating losses are expanded uh, from 2018, 2019, and 2020, and generally can be carried back five years uh, it also applies to pass-throughs and sole proprietors. Uh, if you're a business, this is primarily for corporations that have AMT credits. Uh, you can accelerate the recovery of those. Uh, you also uh, have the opportunity to increase your interest deductibility from 2019 and 2020. Uh, and importantly for restaurants and retail establishments who in the past couple of years may have made investments into their property. Uh, they can accelerate the recovery of that. Uh, all of these provisions are centered really on one idea, uh, to improve the liquidity for employers. Uh, at the moment, when employers have no revenue coming in, it's, it's difficult to pay the bills. Uh, and all of these provisions uh, give employers greater access to liquidity. Uh, it's not, think, think of it this way, it's not so much about reducing overall taxes as it is timing. Uh, giving employers more access to the cash that they have today to be able to pay their employees. Uh, another provision that's available to all employers is the employee retention credit. Uh, now, this was a late addition to the bill. It was not in the early versions, uh, so it hasn't been getting a ton of attention. Um, the retention credit generally applies to all employers uh, we're talking about businesses, but also nonprofits, for example, who are fully or uh, partially shut down as a result of the coronavirus or have a 50% drop uh, in their gross receipts in a quarter, and they're eligible for this until those gross receipts get back up to 80% of their prior year's amounts. Um, so this is designed to help employers who've shut down or lost revenue, but who continue to pay their employees. Uh, how much is the tax credit worth? It is 50% of the wages paid by the employer up to $10,000 per employee. That's fully, that's a fully refundable tax credit. So think about it as uh, a $5,000 tax credit available to the employer. There are special rules for employers with more than 100 employees and employers with less than 100 employees. If you have more than 100 employees, uh, the benefit only applies to employees who you are paying but are not providing services. Um, so if you think about your business is shut down, you've had this drop in revenue, your employee is not working, they're not teleworking, but you can uh, continue to pay them you can access this credit as a benefit in recognition of the fact that you are in fact paying them. Uh, if you have 100 or less employees, uh, the requirement that they not be providing services does not apply. It's available to all the employees you pay during the eligible period. Uh, that period being when you're shut down or have this uh, quarter um, with a drop in gross receipts relative to the prior year. Uh, importantly, again, uh, here the Paycheck Protection Program, um, that small business loan grant program, if you receive one of these loans, one of those loans, because it can be converted into a grant, you cannot take advantage of the employee retention credit. 
uh, we understand that, that uh, employers may have cash flow problems. And one of the things for employers who take advantage of this is we expect uh, the Treasury Department will uh, be providing guidance. Uh, in fact, they did late last night. Um, that will allow employers to get an advance on the payment of this credit, uh, which will help uh, employers pay employees today. Okay, moving on to the midsize and large employers. Uh, this bill includes uh, in total $500 billion to the Treasury Department um, to support loans, loan guarantees, and Federal Reserve credit facilities. Uh, Federal Reserve Credit Facilities, uh, you may uh, have read about them or remember them. These are things the Federal Reserve creates, uh, for example, to uh, support commercial uh, money market funds. Uh, they do these as a regular course of business when we have a financial crisis. Uh, they were used robustly and pretty frequently in uh, 2008. Uh, so, Four hundred and fifty-four billion of that five hundred billion is directly for businesses at large. Uh, there are special programs in there for the airline industry and critical national security businesses that make up the remaining uh, forty-six billion dollars. We expect uh, um, in the coming days uh, we will see the Federal Reserve issue more guidance. Uh, about these credit facilities uh, and actually launch them, including the terms and conditions. Uh, this will not be a situation where the company goes directly to the Treasury Department or the Federal Reserve. Instead, what the Federal Reserve is doing is supporting uh, financial institutions in the U.S. Uh, for them to be able to make more loans available. Uh, there are some restrictions to go along. Uh, they go along with this in exchange for accepting the benefit that could include uh, stock buybacks by the company um, and limits on increasing executive compensation, for example. Okay, now on to small businesses, self-employed, uh, independent contractors, and nonprofits. Uh, I know I understand y'all talked about this a little yesterday. Um, so I apologize for repeating uh, some of it, but uh, this is the provision that's getting the most attention in the entire uh, now law. Uh, it's a $349 billion in small business uh, loans for small businesses that are generally defined as employers with less than 500 employees, 501c3s, the self-employed, sole proprietors, and independent contractors. Uh, a way of thinking about this, if your business is generally qualified for an SBA program, you're going to qualify for this one as well. Uh, in addition to that, some employers um, who would not qualify have been added to the list, uh, including, for example, independent contractors and self-employed. Uh, it also includes restaurants and hotel uh, businesses who would otherwise be ineligible because if you add up all their locations, they're way more than 500 employees. Under this bill, it says we're going to judge you in the accommodation and in the food service business uh, on a per location basis. So uh, please don't automatically assume you're uh, because you're not eligible for a regular SBA program that you're not eligible for this program either. Uh, how much can you borrow? Uh, you can borrow up to two and a half months of your average payroll expenses. Uh, there's a formula to, ca to calculate uh, that. Once, uh, once you get that, you multiply it by 2.5. Um, but the loan cannot exceed $10 million. Uh, you will, for this, you will not go to the SBA. Uh, you will go to your local and national lenders, who y'all already know. Um, lenders who are already seven uh, SBA 7A lenders and uh, participate in that program uh, are automatically qualified to give, uh, provide these uh, loans. In addition, the Treasury Secretary is giving authority uh, to additional lenders as well. And uh, I think that was coming out today. I have not seen the list. Uh, maybe Brent has a list of uh, local lenders. Uh, so you're going to see that. I mean, this is a general loan. It's backed 100% by the federal government. So I expect uh, it should not be too difficult um, 
to get the, this loan. Uh, there are there's a minimal uh, there are very minimal requirements uh, as far as underwriting these loans. There's no collateral required, no personal guarantee required, um, and a uh, the unique feature of this loan is that it can convert into grants based on what the borrower spends money on. Uh, the way the bill is laid out, it looks at the eight weeks of your expenses after the date of or, uh, of origin of the loan, uh, origination of the loan, I should say. Uh, and you, you get to tally up everything that you spent on payroll, that you spent on rent for the business, interest on mortgages tied to the business, um, utilities, it, you know, all that. And you can get dollar for dollar forgiveness of the loan up to that amount. Um, there are some conditions. Your loan forgiveness is reduced proportionately if you reduce the number of FTEs that you had relative to a benchmark period either the year before, all of 2019, or the first two months of this year. Uh, so the loan forgiveness is also reduced if you reduce wages for employees making less than 100,000 uh, by more than 25%. Uh, a, a quick note on the 100,000, um, in calculating your payroll expenses, you get to count the first $100,000 you, you paid an employee, but nothing beyond that. Uh, this is really targeted at those middle income earners. Uh, employers can also avoid a reduction in the forgiveness um, if they bring back employees and restore their wages by June the 30th of this year. So let's see, if you think about it, you've laid off employees or reduced wages, um, this is going to help get you through that. If you made the, th this is a little in the weeds, so if I lose you, I'm sorry. Um, if you've made those deduction uh, reductions between February the 15th and April the 26th of this year, you'll need to restore those workers uh, or bring them back up to their previous wages by June the 30th in order for your loan to be forgiven as a grant. Additionally, uh, after April the 26th, you cannot make any changes to your number of employees or wages until after June the 30th uh, to be forgiven. Now, if you laid off uh, an employee or reduced hours before February 15th, you do not have to restore them to qualify for forgiveness. Uh, we often get asked, uh, what if the business is shut down or uh, if you're in a state where the governor uh, has said you need to close, uh, that does not matter for this purpose. Uh, what the loan looks at and the, the, the main uh, goal of the bill is uh, after taking the loan, are you paying your employees? The federal government wants people to stay employed and they want those paychecks uh, to keep going through the system. Uh, on the next slide, you can learn a little bit more about what we've been doing. And I actually encourage you to check out, there's a link. Uh, it's a four page document that tells you uh, basically, am I eligible? Will help you get through the process of am I eligible? What will what will lenders be looking for? How much can I borrow? And when will my loan be forgiven? I encourage you to check that out. I find it very beneficial um, in calculating the payroll costs. You know, it talks about um, not only wages but uh, you know employees that rely on tips. Um, and uh, uh, vacation, family, medical, sick leave, all that. So it's, it's a pretty good document. All right. Uh, another provision that is available to small businesses, and you probably all know about it, uh, uh, also self-employed independent contractors and nonprofits, is the SBA's Economic Injury Disaster Loans, also known as IDLE Loans. Idle loans have been around for decades. Um, if you've ever had a business affected by a hurricane or, or tornado, for example, you may have applied for and received an idle loan. Um, small businesses and nonprofits, including faith-based, uh, are eligible. No restrictions on the type of nonprofit. It's any entity that is a nonprofit that has fewer than 500 employees. Uh, uh, and again, um, it also includes sole proprietors and independent contractors. Uh, this loan is an actual loan. It does not in general convert to a grant. 
uh, you can borrow up to two million in working capital that uh, is to be repaid over 30 years, and you can see the interest rates uh, there. Uh, if you take out this loan, payments are deferred for up to a year. So you don't have to immediately start paying on this loan. Uh, they've made it easier for individuals, uh, individual businesses to apply. Your, your loan is gonna be based on your credit score. You don't have to immediately produce tax returns. Uh, you uh, can get up to 200,000 without a personal guarantee. Uh, no collateral is required for 25,000 or less. Uh, beyond that, there are general security interests. Uh, sometimes it's secured with real estate, uh, although they are trying to move away from real estate in this particular instance. Uh, this is an important feature that's brand new as a result of the CARES Act. If you're applying for an idle loan, one of these uh, injury disaster loans, you can request that you be provided an emergency grant, uh, which they have to provide within three days. And I know there's some questions out there about that. Uh, I'll touch on that later if anybody does have a question. Um, they have to provide within three days of up to $10,000. The bill details what you may use the grant for, but there's really no requirement. Uh, this $10,000 grant does not have to be repaid even if you're denied the loan. So if you apply for the loan, you request the emergency grant, you get the emergency grant, and then you're denied the loan, you do not have to pay back that $10,000. It's uh, essentially a small business, um, an emergency grant for small businesses. Uh, there are some important interactions with the Paycheck Protection Program that we just talked about. Uh, importantly, for example, if you end up with both, and you generally would end up with both because you already had received the idle loan, and maybe now that the Paycheck Protection uh, laws are being set up, and you, uh, you're applying for that now, you can roll those together but you can't get double forgiveness um, uh, on, on the $10,000. Uh, the $10,000 would come off the Paycheck Protection Program's forgiveness. So there are some requirements with respect to the Paycheck uh, Protection Loans that you can't um, double dip as well. Uh, you cannot take out two loans to pay the same bills. If you're thinking about both of these, you're going to want to think through those restrictions. Don't assume that you can do all these programs and just stack them up. Uh, what they have done is make the Paycheck Protection Program by far the most favorable uh, and then tacked on to other programs uh, that don't avail themselves to the Paycheck Protection Loan, uh, including this idle loan. Uh, and you, to apply for this, you would go to your local bank. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You would not go to your local bank. This is SBA only. You go to sba.gov. Um, this is one where um, chambers and 501c6s, um, I believe, can apply for. I know there's a little confusion right now. We're checking on that. Uh, but I, I know chambers cannot are not open for the Paycheck Protection Program. I do believe they will in the end be, uh, be open for this. Uh, chambers can also, real quick, in, uh, receive the employee retention credit, but they have to be substantially shut down or that reduction in revenue relative to the prior period. So you'll want to think through that with the folks that do your taxes. Okay, on to paid sick leave. Uh, now, with uh, respect to small businesses, there are some provisions we've uh, received a lot of questions about that don't come from the CARES Act. Uh, they come from the Families First Act, uh, the prior bill, often called the Phase Two Bill. What the Phase Two Bill included was a requirement that employers with less than 500 employees provide paid sick leave, 10 days of paid sick leave, to their employees if it's related to the coronavirus. A sick leave is obviously if you're ill, uh, if you are quarantined, uh, or if you need to take care of a family member who is quarantined or if you're taking care of a child because of a school or daycare closure. Uh, leave is paid at your regular rate, it's, uh, but it's for a maximum of $511 per day. Unless you're taking care of a family member, then it's at two-thirds the regular rate with a maximum of $200 per day. Uh, importantly, the federal government will reimburse the employer 
uh, 100% of these costs up to the daily maximum that you pay your employees. This is a refundable tax credit and uh, understanding that businesses often have liquidity problems as well, the Treasury Department is taking steps to allow businesses to request an advance on that refundable credit so that you can have the resources to pay your employees who are taking sick leave. This is uh, obviously in addition to what the employer already provides, uh, including what uh, you provide pursuant to state or local law. Uh, there are a lot of questions out there about businesses with fewer than 50 employees being exempt. Uh, the law does not provide, uh, the, no, I'm sorry, the law does provide that an employer may be exempt but they can only be exempt with respect to leave that's tied to caring for a child uh, if, if a school or daycare is closed, and only to the extent that if providing the leave threatens the viability of the business. Uh, if you think this applies to you, I encourage you to check out the Department of Labor's website. Uh, they post guidelines um, on there. They can explain this further. and. Um, I imagine would be uh, helpful to a lot of businesses out there. Uh, finally, uh, paid sick leave is not generally available for an employee where they can telework. Uh, that only applies if the employee is taking care of, for example, a child, and they can also telework uh, by staggering or changing their hours. Okay, on to FMLA. Uh, the, the bill also, phase two bill also included uh, paid family leave, um, which is FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Act. Um, it is a, sorry, my dog is annoying me. Uh, it's a law that generally uh, allows for 12 weeks of unpaid leave. Uh, what the phase two bill did say uh, uh, was that employers with less than $500, uh, 500 employees, they are required to provide up to 10 weeks of paid family leave if the employee needs to take care of a child uh, due to the school or childcare closure caused by the coronavirus. That's the only reason uh, for this extended leave. When you think about the interaction between this and the sick leave, an employee would take the 10 days of sick leave first and then be eligible for the 10 weeks of paid leave. Uh, here, paid, um, again, leave is paid at two-thirds the regular rate, a maximum of 200 a day, uh, 10000 in the aggregate. Uh, in addition, it's in addition to what you're already providing under state and local law. Uh, it's fully reimbursed in the same way uh, by the federal government. If there are, um, there are similar ex uh, exemptions for employers with fewer than 50 employees, the same as uh, paid sick leave, and it does not apply to an employee who can telework. And with that, I will, uh, I think the last slide is just about more information. Uh, the uschamber.com has, has uh, bill summaries, um, other resources that are beneficial. Uh, we have this program called CO, which uh, focuses on small business. Um, uh, it has survival guides, tips, and other things that could be beneficial. So I encourage you to check that out as well. Um, and that is pretty much all I have, Brent. Brent, thank you. I appreciate it. That's a great overview for everyone, and and and, and probably for some on this call, a, a good uh, good refresher because we've been talking about this these programs as they have continued to evolve and emerge over the past uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, so I've got a few questions here. If you don't mind, we can just dive into, um, and and I know that. We're not going to hold you to needing to being able to answer all of these questions, but uh, um, I think we've got some good ones here. First of all, for the first ones really talk about um, the the money that's coming directly to individuals and how that calculation is made. Is the is the income based on your tax return from 2018 or from 19? I guess I, I would. I'm assuming that it'd be 18 since 19s have not been filed yet, um, and and we've been given more opportunity to do that uh, by the federal government. Yeah, it's my understanding it's the most recent one that you have filed. So I filed mine okay. in February. Uh, I assume they're going to go off of my 2019 return. 
But if you haven't, gotcha. filed yet, you know, there was an extension. If you haven't filed, uh, the last one they would have is 2018. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I, I'm assuming that it's just based on the record that they've got uh, in at the IRS at this point as to what your income would be. Yes, sir. Got an interesting one here. If an employee, I'm, as an employer of a one employee S corp, if you get the the idle advance and get rejected for the SBA loan, can you still get the employee retention credit? Ooh, that is a good one. Uh, I have not had that question. Give me just a quick second. Uh, I think that you can. But let me double check. Okay. Um, yes, you can. Okay, good. That's a, that's a, that's a really easy, easy answer. And here's another one. If an employer cannot bring back all of their employees, would they still qualify for unemployment benefits under the CARES Act? Uh, if they are, if they are going for the Paycheck Protection Program? Yeah. So if you, so if you're, if you're bringing some back, but not all of them, I'm assuming the question is, well, the ones that you can't bring back still, they're still eligible for unemployment under the CARES Act, correct? I believe so. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I think this one goes back to, again, that that individual, those individual payments that are being made uh, through the CARES Act. Um, is there an age restriction for children, 16, 17, 18? Um, I'm assuming that that's just based on a, a minor dependent um, is what the per child uh, money would be for before uh yeah that, that's right i think uh i think dependents are counted as children gotcha here's an interesting one and and one that's kind of come up in some some discussions today brinson you may or may not know um have to have the detail on this is very technical in terms of the affiliation rule um and i think there are a lot of um, especially local entrepreneurs who are who have investments from either angel investors or some venture capital or that sort of thing in this affiliation rule that if you have if you have money that's been invested in your company um, from a, a particular entity that also has it invested in several other companies that that affiliation rule may require you to um, include all those other companies in terms of your employment count and therefore make you ineligible for this uh for the payment protection plan are you hearing any concerns about that and, and any thoughts on how that might be addressed i have not heard any uh this has not been brought up to me yet uh but i i did just do a quick search and there there are some things out there uh, about it I, I i don't know enough about that i i apologize but of I course. Can, but I can try to track down the answer. In fact, like anything I can answer, please send me and I will find I will okay. find the answer. Uh, for that yeah, one, that, that's I just that one's a, yeah, we've we've had some discussions with our entrepreneurial community and that one's that one seems to be a pretty interesting discussion. And so we'll 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 hopefully get you to go and uh, and get us get us some answers on that one and 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 again where we if we can make a difference in trying to articulate what we're seeing could be a major issue we'd, we'd be happy to help you with that as well sure. thank you i think you answered this uh but but just for everybody's sake and and i and, and it's probably also uh addressed in your four-page document what's the best way to calculate monthly payroll do you do you take take the entire salary from all of 2019 and then divide by 12 um, yes. is that the easiest way to do that well, there are a couple of ways, and it is on that document. Um, in fact, I have I have a, the Paycheck Protection Program application up, and I can send that to you to distribute. But uh, That'd be great. In, in terms of uh, the time frame, like I, you know, the the all the different items to include that is that is on that document. But in terms of the the time frame of uh, calculating that uh, the application says uh, for uh, purposes of calculating average monthly payroll most applicants will use the average monthly payroll for 2019 
excluding costs over a hundred thousand for uh, an employee. Um, for seasonal businesses, the applicant may elect to use the average monthly payroll uh, be, uh, between February 15, 2019 and July 30th, 2019. Uh, and if it's a new business, you can use the first two months, January 1 of 20 to February 29th of 20 um, to figure that out. Okay. So they've, they've taken into account various businesses and their age of their 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 relative age yeah. versus, you know, new versus some that are older great yeah and, great. and also if your business was closed down i was talking to a group in alabama one of their businesses had shut down for a tornado for four months so they were worried about mm. that there are different ways to calculate that good good is there any indication other than uh, qualification of being a U.S. employee that foreign ownership would be a disqualification for any of these programs? Uh, I don't think it is. Uh, the only thing I know about that is that the employee uh, must reside in the United States, their primary residence. Uh, as far as ownership, I don't think, I don't I can't say, honestly, I can't say 100%. I don't think that's a problem, but I will check on that and get back to you. Okay, super. Here's one that's interesting. If you're a franchisee for a franchise that's not on the SBA franchise directory, are you eligible for the PPP? That's a that's a pretty technical question there. I'm not sure you might have the answer to that, but, but what is your thought on that? I think you are because they expanded the lists. Uh, and remember, uh, they are now judging like all of Hilton can't, uh, you know, ordinarily would not be uh, eligible, but now they're doing more on a case by case basis on a, on a location by location basis. Um, mm. So I, I think that, I think that in this uh, situation that you would be eligible for the PPP. Gotcha. Good, good. Here's one that's about an unemployment. I think we may need to refer this person to, to the Department of Labor or to maybe to the local one, but very uh, interesting situation. Can an individual qualify for unemployment if they put in two-week notice at one job to take another job? So now they're, they're, they're off the payroll with one, and their second job keeps extending the start date due to COVID-19, right? So they, they were getting ready to start a new job. Um, that job is now uh, continues to be extended. Uh, for instance, the original start date was March 30th and um, now indefinite. What What are your thoughts on that? That may be one we need to send on to Department of Labor. For well, DOL would have much, I mean, they know much more than I, but I would think that um, as long, until that start date actually arrives, you can, you should be able to apply for unemployment and get those additional benefits. Because remember, once the employer calls the employee in to start working, that's when those benefits end. Um, so gotcha. it's my understanding, as long as you're waiting for that start date, um, you are eligible for the uh, unemployment benefits. You talked about this in your presentation, but it sounds like some, we need a little bit of a clarification for the $10,000 emergency grant from the SBA disaster loan. What, what are the restrictions on what those funds could be used for? What, what is the intention for people to, for uh, companies to be using those funds for? Yeah, let me see. Um, it's, it's generally, I have this somewhere. I don't know if it was in the presentation or not. Uh, it's generally for payroll for, uh, uh, oh, in fact, actually there, there are no, there are no restrictions. I mean, there are guidelines as to what to use it for, but, okay. but there really honestly is no restriction on the, on that emergency $10,000 grant. Gotcha. So that's something that I think a lot of businesses are going to want to explore. And of course, as you said, you can't. You can't get $10,000 from that and then stack it with the PPP. Yeah, um, it's going to be taken off of your PPP if that uh, if it, if you have already if you've done that program and then apply for PPP, right? Yeah. So, um one thing that I would tell your members is that um PPP is is by far the better deal if you can get it. 
I mean, if, if you spend the money the right way, you're getting free money. Um, now, that is not the case with the idle loans, uh, except that initial 10000 that you may get. Um, but the main part of the idle loan is, is a loan. I mean, it does not convert into a grant. So the way the bill was written, they want people to take advantage of the Paycheck Protection Program first and then look elsewhere as a backup. Gotcha. And so here's my own question in this. In this. So say I'm, 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 a, I'm a restaurant. I have shut down or any business that has shut down. I'm going to stay shut down even though I'm going to apply for PPP. I'm going to bring everybody back on payroll. Um, for those those eight weeks so that I can get that money forgiven. I don't have to open still at that point, right? I can still stay closed, but still apply. And, and if I do things right, still have that, that money for that loan forgiven, correct? Uh, yes, absolutely. 100%. That is the goal really of the bill. It's whether right. whether your doors are open or not, it's to get the money to your employees, whether they're working or not. Right. Same thing with the uh, with the, the with the idle loan. I've got a great question here. Is uh, you know for for that ten thousand dollars, do you have to maintain any level of employment? Um, what are the, what are the requirements there? If you get yeah. an idle loan, is there is there an employment level requirement in that? No, I don't believe there is. There's not for the emergency grant, uh, and I don't believe there is for a traditional idle loan either. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, to be honest, I mean, if you're looking at either of these uh, or any of these, you're going to want to talk to uh, your lenders, first and foremost, and also the SBA. Uh, do y'all have a, a pretty good SBDC office there? We do. We do. Yeah. We've, 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 got the li- we've got the links to those offices on our uh, web page that's that's devoted to COVID-19. So people can go find those as well. Yeah, definitely talk to those. I mean, don't listen, like don't, don't take my advice. I'm just a poor old lobbyist, but uh, you definitely want to talk to the experts, run the numbers several different ways, um, you know, before you jump into anything. Okay. Another very similar Question to the previous question: How did a recent employee retire, and we, they were about to rehire a new employee? Um, would they be eligible? And I'm trying to figure out would they be eligible? Uh, I would assume for unemployment um, at that point. Uh, and I assume that the answer is very similar to the previous question. Yes, there they would uh, be eligible. In relation to the new employee, yes, correct, correct. They were about to rehire. Didn't or about to hire a new employee. Did not hire them. Yeah, no, they that um, that employee can file for unemployment, and I, that should not affect the business's calculation in that uh, uh, you know getting dinged uh, by that right. situation. Right. Got it. One more one more question from me that I want you to help me put some things to rest because because the you know the rumor mill always runs strong uh, in these times when things are moving very quickly. Um, the, there was word on the street or some big rumor going around that hey they're going to open up this portal for this three hundred and fifty million dollars worth of small business money and it'll be gone by the end of the day or it'll be gone by the end of uh, Monday or it'll be gone it's going to get used up quick so get in there fast. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, is this, is this $350 million enough? Uh, I think it is enough. So that they picked that amount for a reason that is, uh, the, the average payroll costs over all of the United States, small businesses over a two month period. So, uh, in fact, it may be over a quarter, uh, but they have picked that number for a reason, it will not run out on Monday or today at five. Uh, you do have some time, um, but I, you know, I, if, if you want to go in there Wednesday uh, to figure this out, you know, that there will still be money. Don't worry about that. And I think when we talked earlier, some of your advice to, to small business owners was, was similar to what we're talking about and everything with this, with this pandemic is don't, don't panic. Um, take some time. 
Make sure you're getting all of your paperwork together properly. Make sure that you're calculating things properly. The, the better your application is when you go in, the easier the process is going to be. Is that is that the advice you're giving to folks at this point? It is, yes. Know, know what you're getting into. Know what, the, know what you have to do on the back end to get it forgiven if you are going the PPP route. Um, you need to you know, spend this weekend, you know, the next few days and really think about it. And uh, again, run through the numbers uh, before you jump into anything. Don't leave this meeting and go straight to your lender without doing that. Very good. Very good. That's great advice. Super advice. Brent, I can't thank you enough. We ran, this is, this has been one of our longest calls uh, to date. I think that's because it's been filled with a lot of great information. Um, a lot of folks that, uh, um, for no fault of their their own, is are just now coming to the table and saying, "Okay, I, I've gotten through that first kind of shock and awe portion of of what we're going through. Uh, I'm ready to dig in for the next phase of this, and I'm ready to see what I can get uh, out of the federal government to help me through that." And and that's exactly what these funds and what these resources are meant to do. So, um, thank you for for laying it all out there for us, for asking, for answering some really good questions. And, uh, and it, we'll follow up with you on those couple that we couldn't get uh, we, we couldn't get answers to, and make sure that we include those uh, in email form and on our website for those uh, who asked the question and we couldn't get that answers to. Yep, sounds great. Looking forward to getting those questions, and I'll uh, get them back to you as soon as I can. Brent, we appreciate your time very much. Thank you. Thank you to the U.S. Chamber for everything that you're doing for us. Uh, folks, uh, it is uh, Friday, almost four o'clock, um, and, and then almost five o'clock as well. So uh, have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk again on Monday, uh, and uh, we'll have some more talk about some, some programs available for small business out there on a local level. Um, and we're also working to see if we can't get some, uh, somebody from Cone Health to talk a little bit about the, the situation uh, in terms of community health right now uh, in the Greensboro area. So we're going to have a, another great opportunity on Monday to get together at three. Until then, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Brent's have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself. And again, thanks for everything. Thank you so much. See y'all. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye now. This podcast is brought to you by TrueLiant Federal Credit Union. As one of the largest credit unions in North Carolina, TrueLiant is proud of its work supporting the businesses and the people that make our communities thrive. Chartered in 1952, today TrueLiant serves more than 250,000 members, helping them and our community build strong financial foundations. There are five locations in Guilford County to serve you. Visit TrueLiant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Impact the Borough is recorded at Press Play Studios. Producers are Brody Cohen-Glaze and Holly West. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.